Welcome to Sisterhood Our Conversations, the podcast. I'm your host, Pumeza Langa. The importance of good and strong leadership cannot be overemphasized. It's not about the industry or the size of the organization. It is about the leader, their team, how they empower or disempower individuals in the company. Also, leadership is not only for the C-suite squad. If you look closely, there are some employees in the not-so-higher positions who have incredible qualities of leaders and have the support of their peers. Today, we're talking to Dr. Mandisa Mahalwana, CEO of the Nelson Mandela Children's Hospital. We'll hear more about the various influences in her life, her journey, and the different chapters that led her to this particular role, and also hear her thoughts about whether leaders are born or made. Dr. Mandisa will also say some of the challenges and learnings of 2020 and how leadership play a role in how NMCH navigated a challenging year and moved into 2021. Enjoy the episode. Thank you so much for your time this morning, Dr. Mandisa. I really, really appreciate it. And a warm welcome to you to the Sisterhood Hour podcast. Um, it's our conversation today has everything to do with leadership and hearing what your thoughts are and your ideas, um, your journey as as the woman that you are in terms of the work that you've done, and also just having you just share your experience with the Nelson Mandela Children's Hospital. Um, so just before we get started, please tell us a little bit more about yourself. Um, where was Dr. Mandisa born, bred, like everything. How 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 did you come into being? Uh, so thank you so much, Pumeza, and um, yeah, no, thanks as well for for the invitation mm-hmm. to Sisterhoods Power Hour. Um, Mandisa, well, I prefer to be called Mandisa. Oh, okay. Sisters. A lot of people call me Doctor Mandisa, Sis Mandisa, Mama. <laughs> Any any of the prefixes go really, um, but Melissa was born in the in the ham in Cape, um, and oh, wow. I, I always make a joke with my parents that had I been a boy, I probably would be a boxer, <laughs> um, but <laughs> but um, but uh, you know as as life would happen. Here I am today, uh, you know, one of one wow. uh, 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 children of mm-hmm. the soil out of uh, out of Tanzania Township. I come from from humble beginnings, and um, mm-hmm. you know, having uh, done my 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 early education okay. um, in Tanzania, proceeding on to to Inanda Seminary for my high school. Um, but wow. really, growing up um, in a family one that was full of women. Um, you know, uh, it it was, uh, you know, wow. we 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 come from a family of matriarchs, both on my maternal and paternal sides, raised by very strong grandmothers. Um, you know, mm. who I think really taught us, even with with our own parents still, you know, around. And they actually managed to mm. have direct contact with us and teach us a lot of things. And, and you know, um, in, in our culture, most of the teaching is not, uh, is not intentional. It's not direct. It's not conscious. It's all about, yes. you know, being in that environment, being in that family stock fell, 
and in the age of five understanding that you know month end uh, there's a meeting <laughs> and there's going to be a whole um you know dividend sharing story uh, happening and and, and 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 actually, you know, like eavesdropping now and again, hearing a grandmother and parents and aunts and uncles talking about, no, 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 so-and-so cannot afford to pay for the fees this mm. year. You know, let's dip into the Stockfell coffers and help them to register and all of that. So you grow up in those environments wow. where, you know, you're learning about, um, yes. you're learning about community, you're learning about leadership, yeah. you're learning about finance and investment, you know, at a, at a very basic level and and you know and mm. I, and i hope that a lot of kids who grew up in in a similar environment as myself yes. once you've got now formal education if you can actually bring in some of those learnings and 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 and, and concretize yes. them now with a formal education and hopefully then we take all these things we learned as kids from from our communities and grow them from strength to strength and 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 leave legacies mm. you know for our children and in our communities for sure so so Mandisa comes from those humble beginnings um and and uh you know wow. I had a i had i had an uncle who was a doctor the first doctor in the family <laughs> Um, and I've yeah. got lots of aunts, of course, because there's a whole lot more women in my family who are mm -hmm. in the healthcare space. Um, and and yes. one and two particular aunts, uh, you know, uh, who were very st strong willed. You know, they were like, "No, you're gonna be the first female doctor in the family." Uh, and they wow. were both. Uh, one was an ICU trained nurse, and the other is a theater-trained nurse. Oh, wow. um, and the first one is late. The second one uh, is celebrating her 87th birthday this mm. Friday. So um, those are really my, my, my true mm. role models wow. in, in medicine. And the people who made it okay oh. for me, you know, <laughs> uh, to even, even think about it. Um, and, and we come mm. from a family that really puts a lot of um, value on education um you know we when mm. when other people were, were struggling mm. to understand why a girl child should be sent to school yes. especially medical school for us it was you will <laughs> go, go to, school to school unless you can claim that there is something <laughs> seriously wrong with you That's you will amazing. come out you will come mm. out with a degree it is a non-negotiable so so that that's where i come from you know from those really really humble beginnings but to, with 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 people who are really strong worlds who who place a lot of value and emphasis on on education ah, that's, and making that's sure absolutely that, you know, so incredible family, because firstly my, my paternal grandparents um the home is still in Tanzania eight and like every time I hear someone say Mdanzani, my heart just does like a little, you know, a little dance. I'm like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> so every time, it's... right? No, it's a lovely yeah. place. It's a lovely place. Every time I go home, I have to drive through Mdanzani. <laughs> And and my kids, my kids, I think now are really close to killing me because I'm like, oh, and there's my primary school, and so and so used to live there, and when there were the riots in seventy whatever, and that's the high schoolers from that school threw bricks through our windows in that primary school, and we all ran home. We didn't know what was happening. 
So mm-hmm. it's yeah, and 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 I think, and I think Pumeza, that is the critical yes. thing. All of us bringing those experiences to the fore, educating our children. Because mm-hmm. um, I I think because quite you know for yeah. for a lot of children who who have you know for for those of us who for example mm-hmm. made it to suburbia. Um, probably yes. are now starting to miss that link as to as a country where did we come from uh, you know a lot of the stories I tell to my yeah. children actually they struggle to even imagine me in a township first and foremost <laughs> uh, but also you know they struggle to mm. picture me as a little five-year-old running from school mm. home crying because you know the, the high schoolers from mm. next door are throwing bricks in through your windows and they're yes. telling you to go home and whatever you know so yes. all those all those experiences to educate our kids you know as to where have oh, we come mm-hmm. from um you know what makes us the people we are today you know because and that's so true i mean i i mean when i listen to my parents especially especially my, my dad when he'll tell me about the I mean he went to boarding school and when he grew up in the free state and like all the different stories. I mean a lot of them he tell he tells it more than once. And but you know you, you indulge and you're like okay you listen to it. <laughs> and and but there's always something new that I hear about it. Or maybe because as I grow older my my own learning and experiences in terms of life I can actually sometimes appreciate even more what he's sharing because sometimes the stories aren't just stories there's a bit of a there's a bit of a lesson there's a bit of a connection there's a bit of something that you know um he's trying to impart so it's it's just incredible and i think when as your kids grow older and you start repeating a bit of the stories and even for me for my daughter as well like you say i mean we grew up in suburbia i'm raising my child in suburbia so she may only be two turning three, but I'm aware of like, okay, there's, there's a link there that needs to, that needs to come back. There's, there's something that needs to connect her to who I am, who her grandparents are. And just so that she understands that, okay, this is where I come from. This is, you know, where, where mm-hmm. the journey began. It never began with her. It began with me. It began with my parents. It became, you know, with her paternal and with, like, it's just, it's, it's, whew, it's a network. It's a beautiful network. Yes. It is, it is a beautiful network and, and a beautiful yes. piece of history that yes, I think absolutely. our children definitely need to And keep you've started touching on your, like what first made you consider medicine as a career. I mean, you've just spoken about your, your aunts and I mean, medicine seems to have, you know, been something that's been there in the back of your mind when you were growing up and then the opportunity came. So when you first consciously thought, okay, medicine is where I need to go. How did that happen for you? Um, so I, a lot of it you were encouraged not my own <laughs> thinking uh, or doing <laughs> you know it, it, it was kind of a, a, a consensus mm-hmm. decision by the family <laughs> that mm-hmm. um, so apparently uh, when yes. I was born so my late aunt Miranda um, the one mm-hmm. who was an ICU trained nurse apparently when I was born when I was brought home she is the one who Almost oh, wow. literally pronounced on it that this one is going to be a doctor. 
Um, so this is, this is a story I hear from my parents. Mm. Um, so so every time, you know, every time, you know, she came to visit, you know, and she felt, uh, you know, something's not going right there. She would always remind them, uh, you know, this, this child cannot be looking oh, wow. like this. You know, she, she needs to have one, two, three, four. She's going to be a doctor, you know. So I, I grew up with this <laughs> doctor thing. And I'm like, at some point, I think the yes. pressure was like just too much that you, okay, you have to be a doctor, um, you know, so um, I think fortunately for me, academically, uh -huh. I, I, I was strong. So, so that was not, that was not a problem at all. Um, and, and I think when I got into medicine, mm. um, you know, having a lot of firm family working in the healthcare sector, it, it made it okay for me. It made it okay. Um, and I saw it as, as, as yes. part of giving back and, and contributing, you know, to, to my community. Really? Um, and every time I went home, we would have very long conversations with my grandmother. <laughs> and she would, every when I leave, and she would say, wow. I'm, I'm still waiting for that first tablet, uh, you know, from you. Um, so uh, my grandmother, why didn't they feel That was our own conversation. Mm. Um you know, and, and I think that also motivated me. Um, uh, you know, mm. the, the medical, medical uh, profession is a very difficult profession. Mm. And I think, yeah, people need um, a lot of mm. tenacity. You need to be patient. You need to be compassionate. You need to have empathy. Um, you, you really yes. need to have all those, you know, along with the, with the academic strengths, of course, but there needs to be a lot of human in you to be able mm. to do medicine and get through that. And I think most importantly, once you qualify it, then how you take that back to your community. And, yes. and, and it's a lot of responsibility. Yes. I, I mean, I think we see it now more than ever with the pandemic, mm. how the medical yes. fraternity just on a Absolutely. daily basis just brings heart heart and more heart to work because you know every time you step into your job mm. um you you may not make it home well on that yeah. particular day and and as you know we've lost a lot of medical professionals uh, during this pandemic so so um you know initially you know one could yeah. have chosen medicine as a career because you thought oh you know you're gonna do well that's the thing maybe one of the few people <laughs> in the community who will drive a mercedes Benz, because that was the mm. thing back then <laughs> you know but but when you get to medical school mm. you actually find out that you know it, it's got nothing to do with that it's all about the heart that you put into it yeah. and, and ultimately take it to your patient population or to the rest of the community as you start imparting oh, wow. your knowledge That's, and your skills sure. to try and, I mean, and it's, ensure it's true what you say I mean the medical ready. community especially now like it's I was watching a video this morning um, from one of the CNN reporters and she was talking about the the experiences that she was going through and she broke down on camera because it just, it, it overwhelms the individual. But I think when you're in it, especially as a medical professional, I, I can't even begin to imagine the, the enormity of the emotions, but also just the experiences. And then you have to put them aside, you know, for a little bit and be like, okay, I'm here to, to do what I need to do to the best of my abilities and show up. So it's like you say, like particularly the, with the pandemic year that we had last year and now 
subsequent to that this year, it's the medical profession is just, yeah, I mean, a thank you doesn't even come close to to expressing the amount of gratitude that a lot of us are feeling towards the medical fraternity. So now let's move to in your career specifically. I mean, you started after you qualified, um, you started as a GP physician and um, there was an interview that I watched of yours where I remember you were saying that, I mean, you went through the whole GP avenue, pharmaceuticals, and then just before um, the Nelson Mandela Children's Hospital gave you a call, you, they actually they called you twice. <laughs> and when they were like, um, no, no, we're serious. We really want you. <laughs> this is, the, we want you to be our first CEO. I mean, let's chat a little bit about your career and, and those moments that um, I think for me, I'm, I'm sure that there were moments that you feel probably prepared you for this particular role. And if there's any that stand out for you, if you could share those with us, please. Um, so, 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 yeah, so my career, mm-hmm. um, you know, has, um, yeah, has gone through various stages. Um, and, and I think a, a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of that, um, you know, kind of, kind of prepares you for the next phase. Because uh, when you're going through that particular experience at the time, yes. obviously, you know, you, you're not thinking, what, what is this all about? Um, but when you look back, you, you feel okay all right actually mm. when i went through this uh, it was really to, to to capacitate me today for what for what i'm facing mm. right now um so as you rightfully say you know i started off as a gp um and uh, i think uh, you know it was just really out of mm-hmm. deep interest in in various mm-hmm. parts of of medicine or the or the or the healthcare sector um, we, I really started interrogating within myself, you know, mm-hmm. um, is, is being a GP or specializing to be a specialist doctor really my only options or could I be really looking at mm-hmm. other things? And um, as a GP, I got involved in clinical trials and got really fascinated about research and development mm-hmm. and all the work behind that first tablet, Gamakulu, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and understanding how it all comes to fruition. Um, and mm-hmm. then hence my interest, and I think yes. a, quite a, a long spanning career in pharmaceuticals of about 14 years. Um, and, and really moving from, mm-hmm. from just dealing with day-to-day issues to more global issues, and, yes. you know, to, to being involved in in, in, in big projects, like when we had the first, uh, yeah. you know, the, it, it was not a pandemic at anywhere near this scale, because oh. um, I, mm. I was involved in the, in the swine flu, okay. um, you know, initial outbreak, um, uh, I was at GSK at the time, and uh, of course, the yeah. conversations with department around ensuring that we had enough supplies for drugs, the antivirals that were required at that stage, um, you know, because mm-hmm. when I look when I look back now, I'm like, oh, I remember those trips to Department mm-hmm. of Health. Because as I'm reading around the COVID vaccine as well, um, you know, I was uh, I was at JSK at the time uh, when uh, Dr. Manto uh, Shabalalam Simon mm-hmm. was um, rolling out um, sure. the the rotavirus vaccine and the pneumococcal vaccine for children. 
um, which yeah. was launched, um, you know, which was launched, uh, you know, a, a while back, and and really being part of that process, and also appreciating, and I think a lot of people don't appreciate what it takes mm. for for government to sit down and start contemplating ordering sure. a vaccine for a population of 40 million people. I think we're always very quick to judge and, and, and point fingers at how people were not ready mm. or how people um, you know, are, are, not, are not doing their job. Um, you know, when I was involved with the Rota and Pneumo vaccines, wow. it was just for children, birth cohort of about million babies a year. You know, that, that is something even then that was big, but looking at the scale now of 40 million yes. people that need to be vaccinated quite quickly to save a country because literally that's what all countries are trying to do now because if you're looking at anything between 400 deaths a day and you don't know how quickly you can contain this thing um mm -hmm. you can imagine when when we when we sit down at the end of this year and 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 you know we have a board meeting as a country and and we say yes. okay let's take stock let's do an inventory of what we have lost in this last two years it is going to be huge it is mm -hmm. going to be absolutely huge so i think there's a lot that people take for granted uh you know in 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 a lot of what is happening now and a lot of the science mm -hmm. behind it i, I think uh, you know that's one of the things i learned as well in pharmaceuticals that you know mm -hmm. it becomes difficult to expect doctors to to be miracle mm -hmm. workers to make pronouncements on things they don't have data on um i mm, think it would be right. reckless of any medical professional to just say do this do that and and when the dust settles we all realize yep. oops we made a mistake oops we should have waited two minutes longer you know to get the mm. information so so i think we need to really respect what you know um you know the the, the coronavirus True. council members uh, you know have to do on a daily basis <clears throat> To, to, to come up with some of the decisions uh, you know that that they they give to, to to government to be able for us to proceed so for me really those are some of the from from yes. the learnings now I bring back and um, in my own organization um, you know I have to trust my own uh, you know uh, clinicians and everyone in the team to say mm. um, you know go and look at the evidence how do you mm. proceed? Uh, talk to the relevant bodies, um, you know, in South Africa for us to be able to yes. put out proper protocols for our own hospital that are based on science. Um, you know, I think it's very mm. easy to be emotional um, in, in circumstances like this, but, you know, you always need to be able to, to go back and defend yourself tomorrow and say, based on the yeah. available information, on the 13th of January 2021, this is the decision that we took as an organization. And, and for me, it's really all those learnings, you know, I, I got from my, from my careers um, yes. in pharmaceuticals, having, you know, worked in, in, in structured organizations with all these resources, because mm -hmm. it, it's great to have resources, you know, you can always pick up a phone or send someone an email to give you the information. Um, and, and I think it was for me, you know, one of the, you know, the highlights of my career, um, mm -hmm. you know, all the things I learned having worked with a, a number of countries with, with different challenges, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, uh, 
across various disease portfolios um, to the point where I eventually decided to, yeah. you know, to step back and say, um, so my, my decision for leaving pharma um, was not entirely a personal <laughs> decision. Um, it was uh, another family meeting. <laughs> I like the president's family meeting. They remind me of my own household. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so it was it was a family meeting around dinner that that went something like, uh, oh. you know, mom, we've got all we've got t-shirts from every country around the world, oh. and, but we'd really like to have you at our prize giving <gasps> this year. Uh, we'd really like you to be home for our birthday mm. this year, and and I really had to to look deep, you know, and 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 make those decisions. Um, you know, one yes. could have continued, you know, doing what you felt was right from a career point of view, um, you know. But if then you eventually came back home and and your family oh, wow. was was not in the best of positions, it would not have been a great thing. So 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 mm-hmm. so yeah, nah, so I. I obviously I left, um, you know, the pharmaceutical industry and looked into yes. something I would do, uh, hopefully mm-hmm. just as fulfilling and could still learn from it quite a bit. Um, and and um, you know, met up with uh, with 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 uh, with someone who I would then partner mm-hmm. with to to start our own small um, hospital group, um, you know, uh, back in twenty fourteen. Uh, which 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 we started and uh, which was a humongous humongous learning curve mm-hmm. for me as well. Um, I I think people in in healthcare you know always have this uh, make these assumptions that you know if you're in healthcare or if you're a doctor you know oh, you, you yes. can sort of transition seamlessly across the various parts. You know today you're running a hospital today you could be mm-hmm. clinical tomorrow you could be working from a med- for a medical aid tomorrow you could be making ethical decisions for everyone um you know as mm-hmm. much as you've got you know the foundation of all those you know stepping from one role into the mm-hmm. next does does have quite a number of things that are different um that one now needs to get up to speed with um and, yes. and understand you know the intricacies of that particular sector as well so for me really stepping into into private healthcare from a hospital oh management gosh. point of view um you know was was really quite exciting um you know learned a lot from that learned a lot mm. uh, from from also you know mm-hmm. kind of running your own organization it's <laughs> lovely being in a multinational you know you just wow. you're just an employee number in a sea of about 50,000 people <laughs> And and on on most days maybe you can hide, <laughs> um, but uh, when you then start running your own organization and uh, yes. you know you have to be the one, you know, looking at employee well being and ranging from people's uh, employment benefits to actual well being. You know what happens sure. to your staff on the ground, your own health and safety protocols, um, you know, employee wellness mm. just from looking at day-to-day management of the trauma that they face. Um, and and mm-hmm. so so that's, you know, that is also a learning on its own. And, and, and until, you know, we've all done that, you, you can't assume yes. you can easily transition from, you know, being a cardiologist today mm-hmm. and to running your running your own company to do, tomorrow. You know, it's, it's not as simple mm-hmm. as that. Um, and, and until then, 
to to that moment uh, that I got that that call from the from yes. from the headhunters that were looking for for a CEO for NMCH, and 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 I think really all that mm. you know kind of takes oh, one yeah. to to the next point and the next point without you being conscious of it. Um, and and I think with this one yes. particularly because now this is a specialist pediatric facility, uh, you know. Mm. drills the, you know it down a little mm. bit further you know in that um you know with children um first of all you have to treat the child as um. a human being as a person as a child not as a mini adult um you know because that's that's what a, a lot of us you know kind of do in our medical training oh, wow. is like uh. you know, treating a child is like just lowering the dose to a pediatric dose no it's not about that. There's lots of intricacies. Um, uh, you know, people who work yes. on, uh, you know, yeah. hereditary malformations of the heart in children are specialized for children. An adult cardiac surgeon cannot operate on a child. Mm. And so mm. much so that as that child grows into an adult, it's still the really? pediatric cardiac surgeon that takes care of that patient. Because the adult cardiac surgeon doesn't know that. They have not been trained to be able to do that. So lesions in a baby mm -hmm. are not small lesions in an adult. No, they're very different. And, and these are some of the critical learnings for myself, you know, to, wow. to, to understand this very, very unique environment. Um, but also in that, because you, you, you're managing the child clinically, yes. but also you've got the parent as one of your primary customers as well, because, you know, you want the, the parent to be happy, mm -hmm. to always understand what is happening to the child at all times. Um, and, and you find that, you know, all those dynamics, making sure that the child and the parent are comfortable, yes. they've got the information that they require, and you're always doing your best to ensure that oh, the child's wow. well-being is put to sure. the front and first and as you As you're sharing each step of your journey, like I can actually, like you say, in hindsight, where you can see how each part was preparing you for the next until you got to where you are now. And it's actually quite wonderful that even for you, you've possibly also taken time to kind of reflect and being like, oh, okay, so maybe this moment was for this moment. And I mean, for even for myself, there's certain areas where in my life now, especially last year or 2020 being what it was, there were moments where I was like, oh, okay, wait, that experience and that ask and that journey prepared me to be better equipped in a sense to, to see where I needed to, you know, best position myself for 2020. Um, as difficult as the year was, like professionally, personally, I'm like, oh, okay, hang on a second. Um, these were my certain asks. Yes, they didn't come in, you know, certain kind of Christmas wrapping, but, you know, they came and I had to be aware and conscious and be like, oh, wait, this was my ask mm -hmm. at a specific time. It's coming to me now. Am I prepared? And when I look at it, as I stepped into yeah. it, I was like, actually, I, I, I'm prepared. I'm better yeah. prepared now than when I was when I was asking for it. So it's it's a bit of a philosophical take on it, but it's... <laughs> <laughs> No, 
but one of the things that um that I mean that fascinates me with especially with individuals who are in leadership positions I mean there's always that debate are uh, you know like are leaders born are they made can you teach leadership um is it something that's innate and you just need to groom the individual but I mean and but I've also realized <clears throat> excuse me that everyone has their own definition of what a leader is and how one should lead because you shouldn't necessarily take on um, you know, the the ways and practices of a different leader and think that you can adopt them because it may not fit you in terms of personality, in terms of your team, in terms of organization. And so for you, like my question is a two-part. Um, what kind of leader do you think you are? And is there a wrong or right way of leading? So, so for mm. me, Pumisa, um, so the, the whole yeah. is a leader born or is it made phenomenon has always fascinated me because okay. um, okay. I, I think it's neither, um, actually. Um, absolutely. Because um, I think mm. there's, there's probably a number of people you will ask, yes. do you think you are born to be a leader or do you think you are groomed oh, to be yes. a leader? Um do you, do you want to be a leader to, to start with, you know? Because that's also another question. Because I think a lot of us eventually find ourselves in these leadership positions. And when you're sitting, mm. you're thinking, actually, when I started out, <laughs> this is not what I would have put on my bucket list, you know? <laughs> mm. um, but as, as, you, as, you, as you go through your career, as you have all these experiences mm. you kind of you know get groomed into this but i suppose as well alongside that yes. there has to mm. be that um inkling of a leader in you as well you know and um, that that you know wh when you eventually put into this position mm. um you know there, there was a leader in you that has now been developed yes. you know into into something a little bit you know you know bigger than, than what you would have started what 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 you have started out with. Um, okay. And I think for me, um, I'm different yes. types of leaders depending on the on the circumstances. Okay. So I think for me leadership styles are circumstantial, definitely. Um, in 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 a in a in a professional <laughs> organization, okay. I'm more of a democratic participative leader, you know? I, I, I mm. absolutely want my team to be on board. I want us to, to make the decision together, you know, so that, um, you know, yes. once, once we get to that point, everyone is comfortable that they've walked the path with me. When the decision is made, um, you know, everyone has had input into it. Um, versus at home, um, there's nothing <laughs> no. democratic about telling your kids what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so so that is a very very different leadership style. Yeah. Um, you know, and and as you know, in our cultures, as a Makoti, <laughs> you know, you've got a lot to say which you cannot say, <laughs> and, and, and and you have to be yes. um, you have to delegate your leadership yes, to someone yes. else <laughs> to get your point across. Delegated somewhere else first. Uh, for someone to put mm. it across when you get to the point where your point needs to be put across. So so for me, leadership is like that. I feel it has to be absolutely flexible. You can be um, the same person yeah, in the true. boardroom, at home, 
um, you know, in a family setting or whatever. And 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 I think it's in, it's mm. all part of that in the grooming of the leadership, you know, um, taking from what you've learned from your bosses in the boardroom mm. to what you've seen your grandmother do, yes. which which takes me back to all those stories of when we were growing up on how we inter- interacted with our parents mm. and our grandmothers. We have to go back to, you know what, um, had my grandmother been in this position, wow. what would have been her wisdom in this particular situation? Um, so it's 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 all those learnings coming together and okay. making you today the leader that you are. So for me, mm-hmm. um, I, I would obviously say then there's no right or wrong way of leading. Um, it 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 is what then would you want yes. the style you would be comfortable with in that particular situation. Um, and mm-hmm. and also the impact you're having on the people that that you work with, um, you know that you're interacting with, especially given the dis- the decisions that you will make, mm-hmm. um, you know, on a day to day basis in your in your work environment mm-hmm. or your family environment or the community environment. So I think for me, leadership is a is a whole lot mm-hmm. more complex than what people try make it out to be. There's no, yes. you know, there's absolute five leadership styles sort of thing. Uh, mm. uh, to, to, in a situation like this, this is the leadership okay. style that works best. For me, I don't think that that is appropriate. Um, it's it's always it's the fluidity of mm. moving because even at work within that same environment, when you're having a formal meeting, you know, um, you know, with your team members. It's, it's one leadership style, yes. but when someone walks into your office for a one-on-one mm. meeting, uh, you know, with, with a personal situation, it, it's, it has to be a different leadership style. Because as much as, you know, I'm still your manager, um, and this is advice I'm imparting, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to you on a personal level, but also understanding that, because I mean, you, you can't you can't in an organization say no 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 but I said that as a personal True. opinion there's nothing you can you can uh, you know put a disclaimer on but no no I did not expect mm. you to go tell someone else or do this or do that because that was personal you know so you always have to to try and and, and put all of mm-hmm. that package all of that such that you know when the person walks out of your office they feel um, okay I, I got mm-hmm. the necessary support uh, from someone yes. who is a woman, a mother, but also my boss, you know, because because you need you need to always, you know, put all of that together. So so people are comfortable that yeah. uh, tomorrow I won't say, no, I only gave that advice to you as a mother. Uh, you know, you must still come to work tomorrow. I, I refuse to understand why you've got yeah. personal issues, you know. So it's it's all those things put together, packaged together, and how you manage them on a day-to-day basis. Oh, wow, that's actually quite true. But also now speaking of situations and the fluidity of of how leadership should be be approached, I mean, 2020, as we all know, was a difficult year in every possible way. Um, What was it like being a leader during that time, um, especially during a time of pandemic and when everything is pretty much all up in the air? And also what have been the, some of the, I'd say like three key lessons that you've learned and that you feel can actually, you know, those lessons can be translated into other areas of life. Um, so, so 2020 mm-hmm. was, um, 
a year that started mm. like no other. Um, I think everyone yeah. was excited with the start of the new decade. Um, you know, yep. um, and, and a lot of people called it 2020. Uh-huh. We, were all, we, we were all excited. Mm. Um, we didn't know sure. what plenty of we would get at that point. Um, and and we, we did get a plenty of it. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, I think when we all like kind of mm-hmm. try to, to reset at the end of the year and look back onto 2020, mm-hmm. um, it, it, it was a devastating mm-hmm. year and it, it, by all accounts, absolutely by all accounts. Um, for us, you know, I think it, it, it was good in that uh, you work in an environment where there is relatively a lot of support. Um, you know, in terms of the thinking, yes. in terms of guidelines and protocols, um, which which makes your life a little bit easier. Um, but you know, before you you mm-hmm. you're happy with the guidelines and the protocols, or before they finalize, you you're working with human beings who are emotional, who are anxious, yes. uh, you know, who want who who want reassurance now as to um, what's happening, and um, you know. Uh, do we need to come into the office? Can I work from home? Do I need to do this? You know, so so it, it, it's all that. It, it was mm. a, a, a serious hot pot mm. of emotions when, when, the, when the pandemic was, was declared because, um, you know, you've got healthcare professionals that need mm. to be absolutely on point when they get into the, into the hospital and be able to execute their duties, you know, um, with 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 heart and everything, yep. and at home you had the kids mm. they needing to be assisted with online schooling, and 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 not all of us had computers and and um, mm. a capacity for for that amount of data at home, you know, for children to be able yeah. to sit and work, and they not supervised. And you are at work sure. taking care of someone else's child and your child at home is struggling with whatever, mm-hmm. you know, so, so really working through all those emotions and the worst situations we were in is having our first COVID positive person, um, you know, and, and fortunately mm-hmm. for us, that person tested positive mm-hmm. outside the hospital and did not come into okay. the hospital, but the absolute anxiety sure. when that person needed to come back to work um because now you know oh, we wow. hadn't dealt with this before um you know are people yeah, comfortable yeah. being in the same space in the same tea room and uh, you know you're kind of looking at the sure. cup they used when does it get washed where does it go you know it, and it's oh, all those wow. really yeah. practical things that people deal with on mm-hmm. a day-to-day basis and and people mm-hmm. may think that's really being petty, you know. You all healthcare professionals, you should know better than that. But it, we, at the at the core, we're human beings, and you know, exactly. you, you have to you have to be cognizant of, you know, people are worried, and they taking taxis to come to work, and you know, other people in the taxis mm-hmm. at that point were not masking properly, so you're worried about people getting infected in the public transportation. Mm-hmm. And, bringing those infections into the hospital at, at one point you actually had people even staying over at the hospital because you know they just also yes really? it was difficult with all the curfews 
you know, sure. ensuring, oh, ensuring yes. that you can travel from Parktown to Mabupane. You knock off at seven, you're going to get there late. And, you know, you get to town and there are no taxis. It's, it's, it's a whole hot mm. pot of things. And, and it's not about, you know, getting a positive test, managing the patient clinically or that. It's everything else that happens around it to mm -hmm. ensure that we've got the stable um, you know, workforce of frontliners to be able to take care of our patients. And a lot of people take that for granted, you know. Sure. I've been to hospitals subsequently wow. where you find people very mm. irritable in casualty or the ER and not understanding what the healthcare professionals have to go through to be able to deliver the service to mm. them. You know, you've just gotten into your car. Uh, you've got a mild fever maybe you yeah. just have a stomach ache you you know you're not even violently yeah. ill as some people would call it um and and you walk yes. into into the er and all you want is attention 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 and and you know you're not yeah. you're not thinking what happened with the you know the patient just before you you know it could have very well been someone with covid mm. who was seriously ill and um, maybe this particular team of healthcare workers lost a patient an hour ago and all those things, you know. So, so those are all the things that uh, communities really do not factor into, into, into the emotions mm. and just into the well-being of healthcare workers, especially in this particular time. I think people should be aware of these on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. that healthcare workers are mm. also humans if you if you're coming there with your own frustrations you want to find a pleasant smiling absolutely jovial healthcare worker to attend to you and and you're assuming they don't have you know emotional and other baggage they're carrying with them so so this really was i think was highlighted mm -hmm. a lot um you know uh, during the pandemic mm -hmm. just to absolutely. to look at people's well-being um, you know, we had to, to get a wellness program in place just to make sure that our staff had mm -hmm. the necessary support, um, you know, emotionally mm -hmm. and otherwise to get through this. Because as this is happening, you know, spouses are losing their jobs. You know, people are losing partners, oh, people are losing yes. parents. You're losing the one support structure you had for your child um, or your yes. children, yeah. um, you know, so... so it, 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 it brought in a lot of change in dynamics in the families that support yeah. the healthcare structure. Because I think that's what people don't understand. There are families mm -hmm. who support the healthcare structure. And as soon as those dynamics yeah. are disturbed, we're going to, to get an, an impact that, you, that could be visible even in our healthcare delivery. Because now all mm -hmm. those people you expect to be there giving you their 100%, their own social circumstances mm. and emotional circumstances have been impacted. You, they have changed. changed a lot, you know. So I, I think for me, really, oh. um, a, a lot of, I think coming to your second part about the key lessons around mm. this pandemic mm. was, first of all, really appreciating people. Um, I think, I think we, we tend to, yes. let, to take a lot for granted because we're like, I just yeah. work here. I come in, clock in, clock out. Um, you know, yeah, yes, we, we, yeah. we got a whole lot beyond yeah. that, you know, in terms of um, you, you have to, in fact, now on a day-to-day -day basis, ask someone, how is the family? How is hubby? How is wifey? How are the children? Mm -hmm. How is mom? How is dad? Um, mm -hmm. You know, because 
a, a lot happens, you know, especially when there was lockdown, mm. no interprovincial travel. Um, I didn't I didn't see my yes. parents for months because they live in the Eastern Cape. I'm, I'm up here in Kelton. Um, mm. you know, so so you mm. actually got to the point now of FaceTiming people because you want to see their faces. You want to get that comfort because yes. yeah. when your mom says, I'm fine, you're looking them in the face, they really are fine. They're not hiding something from yeah. you and 48 hours later, you get yeah. a telephone call, you know? Um, so for me, that was really the first learning, really appreciating people at that level. Mm. Um, but also, I think from an organizational point of view, you know, being able mm -hmm. to, to delegate, because when you're dealing with the pandemic, there's a whole lot more that needs to be done. Um, you know, you, you, you're mm -hmm. looking at those people issues and there's procurement issues, just mm -hmm. procurement as a process. And then there is the actual, uh, you know, con medical consumables that need to be procured. Um, where you're running oh, between yes, suppliers, yes. Um, uh, that one is running low. When you start doing your count with the pharmacy manager, you're going to be running out of masks in six weeks. You don't know if there'll be another shipment oh, in six wow. weeks. Um, you know, and, and down to the people who are face-to-face -face with the patients, um, you know, are they able to do that? Mm. So, so really that being able to delegate to the different expertise in the organization for people to run with this, yes. to run with that, to run with that. And, and having the appropriate oversight then of the different parts of it um, and, and, and ensuring mm -hmm. high level that, you know, all the systems are working, all the processes are working, everything is working as, as, as well as it can. Because, I mean, you know, you don't expect everything to be 100%. Um, as soon as someone tests yeah. positive and you have to do contact tracing and a whole shift of nursing mm. has, been, has to be told to stay at home, it, it is a disaster. Oh my word. It is an absolute disaster, you know. So oh it's, it's, it's all those things that you really need to, 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 to give people, you know, the necessary responsibilities and be able, you know, to, mm. to, to take the organization further. And, and I think the, the last thing really would be uh, always mm. preparing for that unexpected at the back of your mind, um, you know, because... I think in a lot of organizations, we always run with, uh, you know, this was my beautiful year in 2018. This is my projected even yeah. prettier year in 2019 and, and fabulous 2020. Yep. And it, it's always about primarily maybe the numbers, the stats, the profits, the costs, yes. the, all of that. It's all the, you know, tangible stuff mm. until then you absolutely... Mm hit that unexpected that could you know seriously throw you into disarray um and 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 i'm grateful that mm -hmm. you know as young an organization we are you know we were looking at mm -hmm. all these things our disaster plans uh, you know uh, what would we do if you know so many people needed to be working off-site preparing for all those things and and i think mm -hmm. having come from corporate organizations that had those uh, you know that's the plans in place oh, and, yes. and taking those experiences in mm. made it a whole lot, you know, a whole lot uh, more comfortable because um, it, it, it was difficult. Sure. But I think having those experiences, you can sit around the table with your team and say, okay, from an IT point of view, what mm. capacity do we have for X number of people to work from home? From a clinical point of view, 
what rotation are we looking at to ensure that there's always yes. enough yeah. doctors and nurses on the ground to take care of patients without unnecessarily exposing everyone to these conditions. So mm. it's, it's a lot, but I think it's great that we're oh. always learning, we're always faced with challenges, um, you know, that make us yeah. um, really stretch ourselves in terms of past experiences and all the things that we have learned to keep bringing them out so that we make sure that we're growing as people, but also teaching other people who haven't gone through some of these experiences. No, it's, I mean, just some of the things that you were sharing just now, I, goosebumps, really goosebumps. And it's amazing that like a lot of the things that you shared like people, like I could connect with it in a sense that, I mean, when you're talking about the the humanity that goes into, you know, whether you're in the healthcare profession or whether you are a patient going in, just looking at the other person and reminding yourself that it's not just a nurse, it's not just a doctor, it's not just somebody who's going to help you, you know, to fill out your forms. It's somebody who has their own family to go back to, who has been taking care of somebody else so it's just reminding ourselves each time whenever those moments of panic and fear and anxiety and stress to be like no actually the person that I'm speaking to right now is another human being and it's it's such a powerful reminder because I think even for when we went into hard lockdown I remember when I was doing like some essentials run because I was with my parents at the time and I would go to clicks and you could feel the the stress. You could feel the uncertainty and you could just see it on their faces as well. And I remember it was a Sunday and um, the one of the songs that they were playing was, you know, those old mm-hmm. school jams. And I was like, <laughs> you eyeball guys, like, ca- like, can you mean, like, we already stressed, like, can we have some happy music, <laughs> you know? And and that sense of laughter, we just laughed about it. And I just reminded myself, I was like, you know what, it's it's stressful, but sure, you know what? Let's let's have a breather. Let's have a moment where we can just laugh and be like, oh my gosh, actually this music is kind of depressing. Let's have some happy music. And when I left, I remember looking at the ladies and I was like, you know what? I don't know what it's like. You're coming here, you you're exposing yourself, you're doing your work. Um, mm-hmm. but thank Absolutely. you you know and it's it's those things just to say thank you like thank you for showing up thank you for you know taking the the precautions that you take but you know admittedly you're putting yourself at risk also but thank you for doing what you do because it just it's you're part of a system you're keeping the country moving you're keeping us safe because we're able to come in and do what we need to do to get our supplies and just remembering that in our human in our daily interactions that we're speaking to people mm-hmm. at the end of the day. So thank you so much for sharing that. I, I really really appreciate it. But speaking on the on the on the business element side of things, I mean, I think with the Nelson Mandela Children's Hospital, for me, as much as for me, it's it's a hospital and it's for kids, and there's that there's that social enterprise element of it, but there's also you're in the business of saving lives for especially young lives um, for young kids. And it's sometimes a lot of people don't always try to like connect the, 
the work that NMCH does and ensuring that, you know, it, yes, it's about the, the functioning and operational costs of the hospital to make sure you keep going, but it's also about the people. So how have, has, has NMCH like put together the, the conscious business side of things and the social enterprise element and ensuring that people understand that as much as, you know, it's, it's, how do I phrase this? Um, you, you're running a hospital, but it's about more than mm-hmm. just the rands and cents, even though the rands and cents contribute to what you do at the end of the day in terms of changing lives and contributing positively to, you know, young, young people and their families and ensuring that, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. our world is very capitalist. Mm-hmm you know, in our mindset, in our actions, in the way that we do, we're out, you know, survival of the fittest. And we sometimes forget that, you know, your neighbor could could mm. just need a helping hand. And I think NMCH is in such a interesting space because you bring the two worlds together where you're caring about individuals and you're helping them, but also the, the business element of things. So how have how have you approached the, that environment and why should people and businesses take note of the work that NMCH does um, on a daily basis? And why should profit sometimes take a backseat over caring for people in humanity? So, I mean, I think uh, um, the, the kind of facility that NMCH is, is um, you know, it, it's, it's fairly mm-hmm. unique. Um, and a lot of that really because it was Madiwa's passion, you know, how much he loved children, um, yes. which, which is something we constantly yes. have to remind ourselves of, um, you know, which, which is why it's, it's not always just about the rents and cents, it's about that ethos, it's about that consciousness of how did the hospital come about, you know, as much as um, we yeah. were doing all we can for the financial sustainability of the facility um, is to ensure that what we're doing inside for the children still talks to that, you know, to that mandate of taking, of taking care of the children of Africa, which was my diva's dream. Um, and I mm. think, um, you know, mm. lots of people have really been supportive of the hospital, even pre-pandemic. Um, Mm-hmm. But during the pandemic phase, I think, you know, uh, as people were getting laid off, businesses were, were having, you know, financial troubles, one uh, would have expected yeah. that, you know, they, there would have been absolutely no generosity from the community. Yes, it did go down quite significantly, mm-hmm. um, you know, because a lot of what we do okay. as well is not just about people, you know, um, you know, giving us an EFT or, or putting money in the bank. It's about, you know, coming in physically and helping yeah. in the hospital. Um, so, so now yes. with, the, with the pandemic, yeah. all of that had to be stopped. Um, so we, we lost a whole lot of that sure. resource um, in terms of, you know, being able to have mm-hmm. just extra people. We, we've got a volunteer program at the hospital where people come in and assist the yes. children, they assist them. Uh, the children who come in for dialysis three times a week, they read stories to them, they help them with art, mm-hmm. and on a good day, they even have a manicure and a pedicure. It, it is 
which is absolutely oh, awesome. wow. now you know those kind of things all have yeah. to be put on hold um you know but that said um yeah. we organizations could they really did come to the party quite a lot for us donating um, you know yeah. donating hand sanitizers donating masks donating ppes and um, you know uh, donating amazing. funds mm -hmm. towards our wellness program for our staff money for training and um, so we, we did feel quite a lot of support as well um, in the areas where people mm -hmm. could support us without having to walk into the building and um, you know donations for toys clothes mm -hmm. for the children so these are all the things that people actually continue to do and i think more acutely they started appreciating that during the pandemic you know there's still a need for people to continue with some of these activities which we really appreciated mm -hmm. and and you know nmch sure. does uh, most of its work for, for 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 state patients you know children who cannot afford and this is made possible through the grant that we get from government um, and and we're able then to mm. to have this you know um critical interventions be it surgery be it the mri or the cat scan or be it a you know cardiac catheterization in the cat lab or you know debulking of a brain tumor by our neurosurgical mm. team um, where I, I think now even mm. more acutely we could appreciate that you know all our bigger hospitals are taking strain from the COVID patients and mm. isn't it absolutely wonderful mm. that you know where a child now is being told there are no beds stay at home you could refer the child to NMCH for them to have that um you know care taken care of oh, uh, wow. at NMCH so I think more than ever you know we're all starting to appreciate the value and, mm. and the significance of the facility now in this time that the other hospitals are mm. taking strain. We can mm. literally divert the children to NMCH for those important diagnostic procedures, for those mm. important surgical procedures. And, and mm. I think you know, in the midst of all this chaos, you know, our colleagues continue to remember that, you know, and when they are really feeling overwhelmed yes. pick up the phone and say to nmch can i refer this patient to you and um, you know so so i think for us it's really wow. being able to to demonstrate the value that nmch has brought into the whole community and um, you know around Houting, but also for other provinces because we get um children referred from around mm. the country and um, so so for us is really being able to give that service especially now, now that the focus may not necessarily be on yeah. children particularly because of all the other, you know, important mm. events that are happening around us. Wow, that, that's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. I mean, that's a form of partnership between mm -hmm. the different hospitals um, that knowing that they can lean on you. And speaking on partnerships, I mean, that's a very important part of the, a lot of the work that's done by the hospital. And what do you think has been the secret to some of the most amazing partnerships that you've had, especially last year and looking forward um, so into this for year? Us, I mean, we've got, we've got various types of partnerships. Um, we've got partnerships uh, with, mm. with the universities around Houghton, um, you know, from, uh, from an academic uh, point of view, being able to, to interact with the different universities and some of their specialists as well being able to come through and, 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 and interact with our teams at NMCH as well. 
um, you know, th those are very critical. Mm -hmm. And as you rightfully said as well, all the other hospitals that we work with, that, you know, we cross-refer to each other because yeah. once a patient has been, um, you know, operated on at NMCH, they're good for a step down, you know, then we have to send them back to the referring hospital. Mm -hmm. Those partnerships are absolutely critical for us to deliver uh, on what you've been able to deliver so far. And, and I think for us, an absolute, absolute highlight is that in, in right in the peak of the pandemic in June 2020, um, NMCH was able, in partnership mm -hmm. with the team from Charlotte Makleke um, Hospital, to do our first kidney transplant okay. at the hospital. Um, you know, for, for, for one of our renal patients. Wow. So it's, it's those kinds of partnerships that show you anything oh. is possible. And as long as, you know, people yeah. get into the room, we all come in with the right attitude to collaborate, uh, to work together, you know, yes. the, 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 we, we all want to work as a team to be able to achieve, you know, some of the things that uh, we want to deliver for our children and and moving out of the clinical and academic okay. space really partnerships uh, you know with 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 corporates with the with the companies that have come in on board big time to to donate a whole mm. lot of things for the children and for the wellness of the staff um, and really for people to be able to 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 come i think i think Possibly one of the things we, 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 we do and we hopefully want to improve on is being able to demonstrate that to the people. You know, someone comes in, we acknowledge that publicly. Yes. So the public knows. And I think one of the lessons is that, you know, the more we're out mm. there saying, uh, you know, thank you, Pumeza, you know, for the apron, um, you know, mm. next to you. Nunculeko will say, mm, maybe next time I've got five friends to spare to buy an apron, let me donate it to NMCH. And it keeps educating our community, yes. uh, you know, just stimulating that little tickling charitable bone that, you know, not all of us have. Um, you know, just for yeah. people to, to keep realizing, yes, we all need support as a community yes. and we must keep supporting each other. Yes. And it, it, yeah. it, it doesn't have to be money. You know, if, mm -hmm. if, you, if your kid had a birthday party before mm -hmm. lockdown and they got a million teddy bears um, and mm -hmm. they're not playing with all of them, please bring the rest of them to us. We've got a, we've got a kid coming in from yeah. Mankwing in Limpopo who's never held a teddy bear in their arms. And would absolutely relish to have that talk. Mm. So it's it's that kind of partnership that we really appreciate mm. right across the board. From you know the kids mm. at school who are doing a cake sale to bring the money to NMCH to support the hospital, mm. to the big corporates who will bring to us you know like thirty thousand liters of of hand sanitizers, to the academics who hold us who hold our hands and say you know um here this is we feel what we need to do to the protocols or the guidelines to make sure that we all come out yes. alive out of this. Because I think one of the things none of us predicted with the pandemic, and I've seen this with the schools as well, is just the amount of expenses that have mm. come with the whole safety precautions around COVID-19, the additional masks, oh, the yes. hand sanitizers, all the processes that have had to change that have really increased operating costs 
for all of us, be it a hospital, be it a school, be it a what, um, it has had a huge impact. Mm. So for us, receiving mm. hand sanitizer as a donation impacts our bottom line big time, you know. Uh, we can move that money to go and do something else that will go towards uh, providing the services for the children. So for us, really, partnerships are absolutely critical. Oh, that's amazing. And I think I love the fact that the partnerships are, it, it's any size of partnership. Um, and it's not just the corporate partnership, it's communities, it's individuals. And especially now that um, with the restrictions in terms of volunteering, I mean, this is another form of um, partnership where an individual who wants to volunteer their time, but they can't, if there's another way that they can um, share something and partner with the hospital, that is another form. Like just, you know, even if it's a one, you know, thing of, of hand sanitizer, if that's all they're able to, that, that means the world. Like you say, you're example of the kids birthday party and they've got you know toys that they've never used and they're still brand new then just bring it to the hospital and drop it off there's there's a child who definitely definitely mm-hmm. absolutely it. absolutely promise and i and i think mm-hmm. it's just really having that um community awareness as well you know ranging from what do we do yes who yeah. are the children who come to us because because these are the kids that come from a village from the township it's it's our kids it's our it's our nephews mm-hmm. it's our nieces you know um yeah. you know any any child that mm-hmm. needs that level of of health care you know if if you know we treat that condition and at nmch are likely to end up in our building and it's really just for us to say to to our communities to the country you know uh we here we know there's mm-hmm. all sorts of other you know uh, you know things people could be contributing towards um there, there's 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 you know people are in dire straits they've lost jobs you know you could be donating food parcels for them you know and and we're not trying mm-hmm. to say that uh, you know um move your resources from one point to another but while we're all here trying to survive this pandemic but uh, you know taking mm-hmm. cognizance of you know our future is the children and ensuring that the children are given yes. the best best shot making it out of this pandemic uh, you know one well but also really having mm. the positivity to be able to carry on and grow up into young adults that will appreciate some of the generosity yes. and kindness that we that we express towards them at the critical time of need Oh, wow. That's, I, I couldn't have ended it better than what you just said now. Um, it's, it's been an amazing honor to speak to you. Just, it's so incredibly inspiring. Just like having heard your journey, where you've been, how you've done it, your approach to everything that you do. It's absolutely incredible. But before we let you go, um, <laughs> there's three questions that I'd like to ask. <laughs> Quick questions, just to get to know Mandisa outside (laughs) of all the amazing things that you do in terms of your work. But I mean, firstly, what is your go-to quote or that's something that, you know, that your mantra that keeps you going? (laughs) (laughs) I always like surprising guests with this one. It's so much fun. (laughs) 
my go-to <laughs> think quote. on your feet. Oh, I know. It's like, it's terrible. My parents should not hear this one. They should not hear this one. So, so, um, so I, like I'm saying, people like calling me Sis Mandy, some mom Mandy, so whatever. I find myself with like this adult role yes. kind of thing. Um, in, in, in a lot of situations, mm-hmm. even with absolute strangers, you know, um, you know, and, and, and I'd be like, wow. eh. so, you know, and, and it's always like sibling issues in the family, this and that. I'm like, and I'm oh, like, so yeah. what did your parents say? It's mm-hmm. like, no, my mom says, my dad says that. And I'd be like, um, let's start here. Clear your mind. Abazali, abana nyani, no? Family meeting. You should all start from there because <laughs> when you're in front of your pay of your parents, every child is the favorite child. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm an so only child, so my parents have no choice. <laughs> the day all of you are there and you start getting this feeling that maybe I'm not quite the favorite child. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but um, no, but not to come back from that. I think it's just that that you know, as a, as a parent, and and I think this cuts mm-hmm. across all fears, all spheres. Mm-hmm. As as a parent, you know, you mm-hmm. need to ensure that all your children feel special. Um, you you give each child mm-hmm. the the amount of attention they deserve. You give each child the le- the level of support that they require um you know so so that so that you, you don't start mm-hmm. you know getting that uh, I, i'm not loved phenomenon i'm not you know you know so, some families uh-huh. do it quite well some families are not very good at it um and and i think yeah. it's, it's all about that and i think it, it yeah. carries all the way to the workplace. If, if you really yes. have that um, mentality of, yes. um, you know, when I do this, when I interact with this person, when I deal with this child, I'm going to give them my 100%. And, and hopefully when all three children are in the room at the same time, you can still kind of split everything third, 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 you know. Mm. Um, but, you know, it doesn't always work like that. But really for me, Yes, it is to give that every single child your hundred percent at every turn. That that is my mantra, and and I think as circumstances change, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you yeah. you will you will kind of shift your your effort and resources to the next child. And um, but I think you know when you specifically mm-hmm. doing something, you know, if if you're sponsoring a child to go to school, if you if you um supporting a child. Uh, from from a, an impoverished background, go through university. Give that child that support. Don't make mm-hmm. them feel like um, you know you ju- they're just a charity case. You occasionally throw five hundred rands towards and um, be engaged mm-hmm. emotionally, uh, be engaged physically. Um, you know, go 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 yeah. visit the child, things like that. So so for me, really, um, uh, I think. We don't always have the bandwidth for for all the things we would love to do, but on that odd occasion where you know you put yeah. in your mind towards something, uh, you 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 putting your efforts and your energy towards something, mm-hmm. do.
do it fully, do it wholeheartedly, because it gives you immense, immense pleasure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and you, you don't even feel the need for people to thank you. Just, just the way it makes you feel is, is, is enough of a thank you, you know, so, yes. so, so that that's yeah. that, you know, that, you know, interact with each child. Um, I love children. Uh, most people don't think so. Mm -hmm. Put <laughs> So I, I I express myself very differently from other uh, other aunts in the family. So I'm, I'm the intimate aunt. I'm the aunt you need to get close to 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 understand. Mm. You know that you know what actually, if I want oh one, two, God. three, four, five, ten, that, that's the aunt to go to. You know you're gonna get um. yourself sorted there. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We all need that aunt. <laughs> my sec my second one for you is what's the soundtrack Whoa. to your sure. life currently? Um I think I mean everyone knows the song. It's 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 a it's a song by, by Kirk Franklin, I smile. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. Yeah. Um oh, yes. I think we've had very oh. little to smile about um you know in the recent past um mm -hmm. but i think for me mm. being able to get into my car and play and listen to that song has to make me smile because yeah. it means one yeah. i'm alive i woke today and two yes. i still have the car to play mm. the music in and I still have the job I'm driving to. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think those three things alone, sure. I, you, you can't help but really just be grateful and, and, and smile and walk into the office smiling. Mm. Um, when people ask, how are you? You say, yes. I am fabulous. Because today, there's only two states <laughs> you are in. You are either alive or and I think we have to feel fabulous about being alive today. I love that. That is so beautiful. Oh, that is so true. That's so, so true. I love that. And the last one, if you were not in the medical profession, <laughs> um, what would you, know you be what? doing? I've thought about this a lot. <laughs> so I think I'm, I'm, I'm so I, I grew up <laughs> uh -huh. in this a family set of, of women. Uh, I used to watch an ad um, mm -hmm. with this young girl and the granny or whatever, and the, and the child, you know, the granny's always cooking, and mm -hmm. the child asked granny, when you were young, what did you do for fun? And the granny said, we baked. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, so, oh, yes, so I remember that one. <laughs> my, my most pleasant memories of my childhood is always this big functions and on Sunday mm. lunch you know Sunday morning mm. when we wake up my mom would have taken wow, out the yes. leg of lamb and this and that they already defrosting and we'd be going to church and she says after church we're cooking lunch and mm. we'd all get delegated a dish um you know so so we all have 
you know, specialists, yes. you know, my siblings and I, we've got, we've got specialists, but this one is the oxygen <laughs> specialist. This one is the both leg of limb specialist. This one is the dessert <laughs> specialist, you know. So, yeah. so I, I think really if, if mm-hmm. I had been given absolute, absolute free reign, I would have loved to, be a, to have been a chef. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I love cooking. I love baking. For the wow. life of me, I cannot do proper icing on a cake. In fact, just the other day, I was thinking, I am going to cooking school. I am going <laughs> to eventually get someone to teach me how to ice a cake absolutely perfectly. So That's that amazing. So I think I would have loved <laughs> a chef. And yeah, because for me, that's not even a job. That's not even oh, a job. You know, when I, I, when I get off an aeroplane, I'm like, okay, when I get home, what <laughs> am I cooking? That's the first thing I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That's amazing. I love that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But to end this formally, Dr. Mandisa Maulwana, thank you so much for your time. Um, I think having spoken to you and read up on you and all these other interviews, I think one of the, the quotes that pops into my mind is from uh, the former CEO of PepsiCo, um, Indra Noi. I'm, I'm probably mispronouncing her surname, but um, she once said that an important attribute of success is to be yourself. Never hide what makes you, you. And from just the conversation we've just had, I think you are you are you and you show up as yourself every single day. And it's, it's amazing to hear your journey. And I think it would be amazing to see and hear other people speak of you. I think you show up as yourself. And I think a lot of people would appreciate and actually testify to that. Thank you. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure to spend this hour with you. And, and I think at the end of the day, you know, we human and, um, you know, the best we can do is to, is to show up as ourselves, as mm. you say, and, and, and just make the best of the opportunities yeah. that, um, that, that we find ourselves in. But it was an absolute pleasure yeah. talking to you. Thank you. Thank you from myself and the sisterhood, our family. Have an amazing remainder of your day. Thank and you, my have dear. an incredibly Thanks. blessed 2021. Bye.